You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. All right, church. Man, so here's, here's what I really, 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 really want you to hear if you hear nothing else today. Is that, as we said last week, when, when Jesus talks about salvation, when the gospel is presented, here's what we have to know, is that identity always comes before activity. Jesus tells us who we are in Him, and then He says, hey, now you can go and do this. It's not do this, and then you can be saved. No, He says, I love you enough to save you right now, right where you are. So now your identity is different, and now your activity can change. And I just want you to know that. I want you to hear that today is that it's always, always, always identity before activity. Now, with that said, we started this series with the Beatitudes and how that's really just a process of of salvation and how our identity is in Him. Congratulations to you when you realize that you need someone spiritually to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Congratulations to you when, man, your sin is just so consuming Congratulations to you when you hand over the reins of your life to Jesus. And then you are sons and daughters of God. Congratulations. Blessed are you. And that's your identity. He says, so I've done the work. Your identity has changed. And then he says, now get to work. Right? Now get to work. So today we're talking about getting to work. We're going to just continue on in Matthew 5. And we're going to talk about the salt and the light. Maybe if you've grown up in church, you've heard about how you are the salt and the light of the world. How many of you have heard that? All right, great. So this morning, what I really want us to do is is understand what that means. Because as you can tell, I don't look anything like salt, and I really don't look anything like light standing up here. This shirt is kind of bright, so... But it's just, we, we don't look like those things, right? You don't look like salt in a salt shaker. Like, I'm just telling you, you don't. You look better than that. Congratulations to you. You look good this morning. So what does it mean? What does it mean when we are the salt and the light of the earth? And, and that's the answer, the question that I want us to answer this morning. So let's just read really quick. There's just four verses this morning. Matthew 5, starting in verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. God, we pray that you speak this morning through your spirit. God, we pray that hearts and minds are forever changed for your glory and for the sake of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I want us to do is I just want us to break down some things about salt. I want us to break down some things about light. And then what we're going to see at the end of this, my prayer is that God is calling us to do something. That He's already given given us our identity in Him. It's already there. We already have it as Christ followers. If you've placed your hope and your trust in Jesus, 
and you have a relationship with Him, your identity has changed. You are no longer a citizen of this world. You are a citizen of heaven. And then he says, after he starts the sermon with the gospel, the rest of this sermon until the very end is what it looks like for us to live a gospel-infected life. So if you've ever wondered, well, how am I supposed to live as a Christian? You're going to learn that in this series because God talks about, or Jesus, as he's preaching, he, he discusses things like, hey, this is what you're supposed to do in this area. This is what you're supposed to do in this area. And it's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a, because your life has been changed by Jesus, these are the works that should be overflowing out of you. So it's not that, hey, if, you, if you're not doing this, you're going to hell. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, hey, if you've truly had an experience with me, your life should look like this. These are some things that should be overflowing out of your life. And he starts it right here with, you are the salt. And then he says, you are the light of the world. And we, we've, we talk about that here, that God doesn't say, hey, I want you to be the light, right? He's, he says, you are the light already. You are the salt. You are the light. So what is, what is salt? If you're from the south, you know what salt is because it goes on every food no matter what. It just does, right? I don't care what anybody makes. It doesn't matter if they salted it or not while they were cooking it. When it gets in front of me, salt is going on the food. No matter what. That's just how it is. Because salt is just one of those amazing things that God created for His people. See, he's a good, good father who likes to give good gifts to his kids. And salt is one of those good gifts. Man, you just can't beat it. I love it. My wife gets mad at me all the time because she's like, taste it before you put I don't need to. Like, I already know that it needs salt. And even if it doesn't need salt, you cannot have enough. Like, to me, you just can't have too much salt. So what does salt do? The first thing it does is it preserves. That's what it does, right? It's a, pres it's a preserve. That's what it does. So what does that look like for us as Christ followers? This is what I want you to know about that. Is that we live in a world, right, that has fallen away from God. A, a culture that is so anti-Jesus. And our job as the church, as Christ followers, is to preserve the Word of God in a culture that hates it. Our job is to stand strong and bold for the truth of the gospel in a world who cares nothing about the gospel. We should, be, we should be preserving the truth of God in our culture. That's what we're called to do. Salt also makes you thirsty, right? It causes thirst. It just does. And as Christians, we should be thirsty for God. We should hunger and thirst for His Word, for His presence, for experiences with Him. The third thing is it makes everything taste better. And that's just the truth. Maybe that's not scriptural, but it's dust and old, right? So it makes everything taste better. It just does. So here's my, here's my question to you. What are you doing in your life to make that situation better? When you go to work, does it become a better place because you're there? Is your home a better place because you're there as the salt in your home. When you go watch your kids play baseball or football or whatever, and all these parents are going crazy in the stands at like these nine U football and baseball games, and it's like, what are you even doing? Are you making that place better because of your saltiness? 
And not saltiness like your feelings, like you're just being salty. That's not what I'm talking about for you teenagers, right? That's not it. That's not what this is about. But are you making things better? Are the things around you better because you're there? Man, and that's a tough question. Are you showing people Jesus? And if you can't answer that with a yes, then something isn't going right in your relationship with God. And we're going to see at the end of this some things that hinder us from being the salt and the light. But I want you to understand this, that you are in this world for a reason. That you do have a purpose, that you do have a plan, and it's to bring glory to God. So are you making everything better? Here's the fourth thing about salt. Non-salty salt is useless. Right? If salt doesn't do what salt does, it's useless. So if we translate that into Christ followers, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're not doing the things that He's called you to do, then you, in essence, are just useless. Just going about life, not doing what God has called you to do. Here's what I've learned about church. Is that we're all salt as Christians and we're in here, and salt likes to stick together. Right? But here's something that you have to understand is that salt doesn't need salt. Right? Salt doesn't need salt to be salt. Like we're already salt because of God. We meet here to encourage one another and to, to do life together. But man, He's called us to go and be scattered in a community that needs it. So if you think about your salt shaker at home, you can put that beside your food and it does no good until you pour the salt out on the food. And it's the same way for us. If you're not being scattered in a community, in a world that desperately needs Jesus, then what are you doing? What happens is church becomes just a social time for a lot of people. It's just a time where we come and we meet and it's some kind of country club feel. And God's saying, hey, so yeah, this you're in the salt shaker. That's great. You need to be scattered out in the community. You need to be scattered out in the world to do what I've called you to do. And what is it that He's called us to do? It's to bring glory to Him. To bring glory to Him. Last week we, we talked about being a peacemaker. And what a peacemaker was, was bringing people far from God to know who Jesus is. Are we doing that in our life? Are we truly being the salt of this earth? Are things better because you're there? And do you hunger and thirst for more and more and more of Jesus? Are you standing up for the truth of the gospel? Are you standing up for the truth of the gospel? And then he goes on to talk about like, And what is light? Man, we, we know what light does. And what I want you to understand this morning is that light, what, what it, the, the main function of light is to push back darkness. There's darkness, we introduce light, and it pushes back the darkness so that we can see. That's what light does. So again, we live in a dark world. We're supposed to be the light of that world. And we are the light. Here's the deal. We are the light. Not supposed to be. We are. As Christians, as Christ followers, we are the light of the world. 
what are we lighting up the world? So my son loves flashlights. He loves them. I've gone through battery after battery after battery after battery, and he turns the light on in a house that's already lit up, right? So it's really not doing anything. I don't know why he likes it, but he does. And do you know where his favorite place to shine the light is? In his face. Like he wants to look at the light. And man, I'm afraid that as Christians, a lot of times we have, we have this light and what we do is we make it all about us. And we shine the light in our face. And we're not shining it out into a world that desperately needs to see the light of Jesus. Or we meet together in a room that's lit up because we're all light for Him. And then we never take it into the darkness of this world. God is calling us to be scattered to go out and to make a difference. Man, I don't want to minimize the importance of meeting together. I don't want you to think that my heart is not into this type of, of gathering because Scripture teaches how important this is. Right? Meeting together, building one another up, equipping each other to go and do what God has called us to do. But man, it can't stop in this room. It can't stop here. And so often as Christ followers, we, we want to go to church and we want to sing the songs and we want to hear whoever's speaking and we want to talk to people. And that's amazing and that's great. And I love that. We planted a church so we could do that every Sunday. But we also planted a church so that we could impact the community for Jesus. And the way that we impact the community for Jesus is we are scattered into our city Living life like Jesus' followers should live life. And we should be pushing back the darkness. The church, the capital C church, exists for the glory of God. And we don't exist for ourselves. I don't know if you walked in here today and you thought, man, this church exists for me. And I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm going to tell you the truth, that the church doesn't exist for you. And it doesn't exist for me. The church exists for Him. For His glory. It's His church. It's His body. He's the one that's orchestrating the things that happen in our local body and in just the body of Christ in general. It's all about Him. When we begin to focus inwardly on this, then we lose sight of what it's about and it's about Jesus. He's the focus. He's the center. He is the reason that we meet together. He is the reason that we go and scatter in the city. But man, this passage says that a, a city on a hill can't be hidden. And this is in reference to Israel and how Israel was just set apart. And man, guess what? As the church, you are now set apart for Him. And we should be so on fire for Him. Our church should be so focused on Him and so consumed with His Spirit that we can't be hidden in this city. And there's evidence that God is doing that at this church. And I just want to give you a couple of those things. One is that when things need to be done in the city, man, the city leaders, they contact us. They say, hey, this is what we need. Can you guys help? And they do that because we're a city on a hill that we're not hidden. We're allowing the light of Jesus to shine. 
And this isn't to pat Impact Church on the back. It's to say, man, God is doing something that only He can do. We get to be a part of that. But man, we have to get out of our comfort zone of just coming to church on Sundays. And we have to get in the city and be who God has called us to be. So we get calls from people to say, hey, what, what can you guys do to help? And sometimes we say, well, there's really not much we can do. And we have to be honest, right? And then sometimes it's like, yeah, we have no idea, but we're going to do it anyway, right? And then I'm calling people frantically. Like, hey, I just said yes to something. I have no clue what this is. I really need you to come through. And, man, you guys are amazing, and you all always come through. Also, we, we partner with so many ministries here. And Fishes and Loaves is just one that we're really highlighting right now because they have started to feed way more people than they ever thought that they would have to feed. Man, and what a blessing it is to live in a city with people who start a ministry to take care of those in need. And there's, there's no point for us to start a, a food ministry when there's already one here. So what we get to do is we get to partner with them. And we partner with them so much again, right? So they contacted me and said, hey, we're, we're, we're having our first board meeting and we would really love for someone from Impact Church to be on our board. And it's because of your generosity and it's because you are shining as lights that they would even contact us to say, hey, we want somebody from your church to be on the board. I said, well, it ain't me. Like, you don't want me because I know nothing about it. So... We have someone. So Janine sits on the board for Fishers and Loaves. And what does that do? That, that gives us inside knowledge of what they need. And then God starts placing on the hearts of people burdens for people that need help. So now, moving forward, every week, you're going to see, a, I think it's pink. I don't know why they did that. But a pink, a pink basket over here in the lobby area. And it's, it's four fishes and loaves donations. So you don't even have to go there if you don't want to. You can bring it here. When you feel led to give to fishes and loaves on Sunday morning, bring it, drop it in the basket. And we will make sure that it's facilitated and someone will give it to fishes and loaves. And I'm telling you all this to show you what it looks like to be a city on a hill that isn't hidden. And as a church, that's what we're called to do. But as an individual following Jesus, that's also what you're called to do. See, it's more than just a corporate thing. This is an individual thing. Is your light shining before men? Are you pushing back the darkness of this world? The third, last thing about light is this. We should reflect Jesus. I want you to think about the sun and the moon. And man, when I was a youth pastor, I did a message on this and I had like all these props and like a, I had this moon built and this light and it was amazing. And I didn't even think about doing that for you guys. I'm not a youth pastor anymore. Um, but and this, is, this is what I want you to know, that by itself, the moon is just a, a ugly, just crazy form. There's craters everywhere. It's just, there's nothing beautiful about the moon. It's just a rock that's ugly. And I want you to know this morning that you are that same type of person. That you are, you're rock, you're stubborn, you're hard-headed, 
yeah, I'm calling it out in you. I know you. I'm the same way. And that we're ugly people. We're humans. We have human nature that just makes us filthy and dirty. But when we see the moon, we see something that's lit up, that's beautiful, that lights up the entire sky. And if you remember from school, that the, the moon doesn't shine, right? It reflects the sun. Man, and in the same way, we're called to reflect Jesus. That although we're just ugly, dirty, just rocks that have really nothing going on for us, when we begin a relationship with Jesus, His light shines into us. We become lights of the world and we reflect Jesus to a world that desperately needs Him. That's who we are. We should be reflecting Jesus to our world. Man, and since we did child dedication this morning, I want to I challenge you that this starts at home. That showing Jesus to the world starts in your home. Are you doing that? Are you fighting against the culture of this, of this world in your house? Are you raising your kids to understand that there's a difference between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God? Are you pushing back the darkness in your home? Man, it starts there. If we want to see a city changed by the gospel, man, it's going to start with you and it's going to start in your home. And then as we reach out into the community and as we're scattered about as salt, and they're going to see that, hey, this family's different. There's something different about this family. And what's the difference? The difference is we have Jesus, we're the salt, we're the light, and we're allowing that to work like He wants it to work. So why don't we? See, Jesus says in this passage that we, we put it under a basket, right? We hide the light. What kind of baskets do we have in our life? I'm going to give you three really quick. But number one is just pride. Number one is pride. I don't know how many of you have ever struggled with pride in your life. Don't raise your hand because you're not anyway. If that's just what prideful people do, they don't raise their hand. So here's here's what I know about pride, right? Because this is something that that I've struggled with in my life, and I know that Jesus and the way that He calls us to live, the motivation matters. There's always a motivation behind what you do. And that motivation matters. So here's, here's what I've seen in my own life. Is that even in the ministry at an early age, it was still all about me. Right? I wanted a big youth group. I wanted a big response. I wanted to go and speak at these things. I wanted people to say, man, he is an amazing youth pastor. I didn't get that much, but that's what I wanted people to say. Because it was all about me. So although I was doing good work, the motivation was all wrong. And when you're doing stuff for yourself, what you're doing is you're putting a basket over the light because the light's reflecting Jesus, not you. 
So as we do all these things, as we, as we partner with Fishes and Loaves, as we, as we do these things in the community, when we do our back-to-school bash coming up, all that stuff, the motivation matters. And it's not so people look at us individually. It's not so people look at us as a church. It's so people that see God's love in a real and practical way. But man, we're such prideful people that we allow that pride to dim the light that we are supposed to be reflecting of Jesus. Number two is this. There's just fear. Some of us just aren't doing these things because of fear. And the biggest fear that I've found in life is the applause of man. It's meant, what are they going to think about me? Now, what are they going to say if I act this way? What are they going to say if I really let them know how much I love Jesus? Am I really, am I really going to be accepted? Are they going to be my friends? And this, this is what, this is how my life is. I don't really have many friends. Okay, I'm just going to throw that out there. And the reason is one, I don't really like people. Two, that was a joke. I do like people, kind of. But man, I've realized in life that when you start standing up for the truth of the gospel, that the people of this world aren't going to like you. And if everybody likes you, then something's wrong. If you fit in with this world, then something's wrong. Jesus didn't fit in with this world. It doesn't mean he was mean to people. He loved people. He brought people in. He, he talked to people in love. But he always told them the truth and it sent them to the cross. If everybody loves you, something's wrong. And maybe you're sitting there like, well, everybody does love me. And that's great. I'm glad. But man, I would, I would challenge you to look at your relationship with Jesus and how you're living that out in your everyday life because there's going to be people that don't want to hang out with you. There's going to be people that don't want to talk to you. There's going to be people that talk about you. And guess what? That's okay. That's called persecution. And congratulations to you. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for His name's sake. Blessed are you. Man, I have a burden just deep, deep, deep inside of me. And it's one of the reasons that we started this church. And it's for the, the church of, of God, for us as believers, as Christians, to really make an impact in a world that needs Jesus. I've seen so many times where people just come and gather and there's no scattering. That's not why we created this church. We created this church to raise up people to go out and fight for the kingdom. Man, in my heart and my prayer is that you guys are being raised up, being trained to go out and fight for the gospel of Jesus. But man, we're scared because what are they going to think? Acts 1.8 says, man, that the Spirit, when you give your life to Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you. And you have power in His name. Because of him, because of who he is. So have pride, fear, and then we just get distracted. Is the third thing. We get distracted. And we're going to close here with this, but 
and we get distracted over all the different stuff going on in the world. All the different stuff that's going on nationally, all the different stuff that's going on in our state, all the different stuff that's going on in our community, and all the different stuff that's going on in our life, we allow to distract us from the most important thing, which is Jesus. And man, I know that it's hard. I'm not telling you that this is easy. What I'm telling you is that we allow the distractions of life to dim the light that we are reflecting. And Jesus says, hey, don't do that. How dumb would it be if you were in pitch black to have a light and to hide it? It would be really dumb. We're just going to call it what it is. It wouldn't be smart to do that. And I don't really like the dark. I'm just, I'm giving you all kinds of stuff about me today, but I'm not a fan of the dark. I'm not scared of the dark. I just don't really like it. If there can be light, I'd rather there be light. So if it's pitch black dark and I have a light, I'm not hiding the light because I want to push back that darkness. I want to see where I'm going and I want to see what's around me. I want to make sure there's nothing that's going to hurt me. Call it pride, call it what you want, but I'm protecting myself. Because if I'm not protected, I can't protect other people. That's really the reason. But man, it's just not intelligent. It's not smart to have a light that you really need and then to hide it. It doesn't make sense. And Jesus is just practically saying, you're the light of the world. Don't hide it under a basket. Get rid of the pride. Get rid of the fear. Get rid of the distractions. You are the light of the world. You are. Because of Him. Because you're reflecting Him as the light of the world. Are you doing that? Are you being scattered? Craig Rochelle, who's the pastor of Life Church in Oklahoma City, wrote a book called Practical Atheists. And in this book, he, he lists out a bunch of things that say, hey, you may be a Jesus follower, you may be a Christian, but you're living life as, that you, as if you don't know Him at all. So you're really just a practical atheist. He's not calling people an atheist. He's really writing this book for Christians saying, hey, if your life doesn't look like Jesus, then something's wrong. And I'm afraid that there's a lot of practical atheists walking around. We call ourselves Christians. We have a relationship with Jesus. But we're salt, still in the salt shaker and we refuse to be scattered. We're the light of the world and we refuse to take the basket off. And practically, what are we doing? We're useless. We're doing nothing for the kingdom. So he starts with identity. He says, hey, you are a child of God. You are loved. You are blessed. Congratulations to you. He says, I've done the work for you for salvation. That's your identity. And then he says, get to work. Here's the activity for you. I should be overflowing out of you, is what Jesus is saying. You should be so consumed with my spirit that people should know that you are a Jesus follower. And the end of this passage he says, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And then he says this In the same way, let your light shine before others. So that they may see your good works and do what? And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
the stuff that we do, the life that we live, isn't so people see us, but it's so people see Him. And then we're going to see in a, in a later uh, chapter, in the same sermon, that Jesus says, hey, don't do good works in front of people. And I just want to point that out now because I don't want you to think that the Bible is contradicting itself. What I want you to understand is this is one of those motivation things where motivation matters. So if we read this entire thing in its context from the Beatitudes last week where Jesus says, hey, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake. And then he goes straight into you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Shine before others so that they see your good works. And, and here's what I want you to understand is that to me, in my opinion, the good works that Jesus is talking about in this passage is not, not complaining, not arguing, but understanding that persecution's coming and that you're living life trusting in Him. See, we see in Philippians chapter 2, it says this, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then listen to this. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. So this is, what, this is what I believe that Jesus is saying here. I believe that Jesus is saying, hey, blessed are you, congratulations to you when you're persecuted for my, for my name's sake. And when you're going through the struggles, when you're going through the trials, you don't complain, you don't argue, you've learned, as the Apostle Paul said, to be content in every situation because His grace is enough. You've learned to, to be uh, thankful and grateful in every situation because His goodness is enough. So when you're being persecuted for His name's sake, when you're going through trials in life, hey, sometimes it's better just to not say anything at all, to trust in what He's doing, and to allow the Spirit to move. And then people around you that are freaking out about stuff that's going on, they say, hey, how are you so calm? Why aren't you freaking out? They just laid off a hundred of us and you're not even worried about it. And you can say, well, I'm not happy about it, but I know that God's in control. And that points people to Jesus. They see His glory because of your good works. Because of you trusting. Because of you believing. Because of you living as salt and light. And your good works are never about you. You couldn't do good works without Him anyway. I want you to understand that. That you could do all the quote-unquote good that you wanted to do in this life and they would not be good works without Jesus. He is the good, good Father. It's all about Him. It always has been. It always will be. Are you pointing people to Jesus? Are you being the salt and the light that He says you are? And if you're not, why not? What's in your life that's keeping you from being that salt and that light? Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.